Bavakama, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Base 1 2. Now the Mishnah sets forth certain general principles regarding when one is obligated to pay for damage caused by his property. The Mishnah is talking in the first person, so to speak, saying anything which I'm obligated to guard, any property I have to ensure it doesn't damage, if I'm negligent in my guarding of it, it's as if I arrange for the damage to happen. I'm held personally responsible. So that means if you have to watch it, it's your fault. So that would mean, uh, for example, if I own a cow, but I hire someone to watch the cow for me, and then the cow goes and tramples someone's petunias, so who's the responsible party? Not the owner, but the person who was charged with watching the cow. He's the one who had to watch it and guard it, therefore he's responsible. So therefore you can assign responsibility. Um, that said, it has to be that the person who has been assigned to be the responsible party is capable of doing so. So someone who lacks da'as, the usual, for example, cherish shotavakatan, the deaf mute, the mentally incompetent person, and the and the minor, those people uh, are simply um, incapable of being relied upon. And therefore, if one would assign, let's say, a child who's 11 years old to guard the pit or the cow or something, and then the cow goes and does damage, well, then the child's not responsible. The person who foolishly asked the child to watch uh, the cow or the pit is one who's responsible. Uh, same goes for a cherish or a shota. And more than that, even if, let's say, for example, my cow is behind a closed fence and there's no reason why I should get out and therefore everything is safe. But if I tell a cherish shota or katan, do me a favor, there's a cow behind the fence, you know, everything should be fine, but just keep an eye on it. So then, by me bringing in that child or the cherish or the shota, it's actually making things worse because... You know what's going to happen. They're going to say, oh, okay, let's go play with it. And they'll open the gate door. So actually, um, by bringing a child so then one becomes responsible, even if without the child being involved, he wouldn't have been responsible because the gate was closed as proper. Once they invite the child to get involved and the child unlocks the gate, so now I brought him in as a custodian or someone to watch the the animal, and now I'm responsible. Same goes for the pit. The child would, you know, very possibly uncover a pit that I had covered, etc., Next of all, the Mishnah says, "Hichsharti b'miktsas nizko, chavti b'tashlumin kehechsher kol nizko." Again, talking in the first person as like a literary device. If I um, facilitated part of the damaging capacity of this, so then I'm obligated as if I set up the whole damaging capacity. So the idea here is, uh, for example, as the bartender explains it, you have a pit which is just nine tefachim deep, and uh, that pit, therefore, should not be considered a lethal pit. If a livestock would fall in such a pit, no reason it should die. And if it would die, the person who dug the pit would be exempt because that wasn't the reason. The animal didn't die because of the pit. It's just only nine tefachim deep. And then a second person comes and digs the pit deeper, making it a ten tefach deep pit, meaning like a lethal pit. And now an animal comes in and it dies. So then, who's responsible? The guy who dug the first nine tefachim or the guy who dug the tenth tefach? So, the Mishnah is saying that the person who dug the 10th tefach is fully responsible because he's the one who transformed it into a lethal pit. Now, that's how the Baratun understands, uh, based on a siding with Rabbi Yehuda and the Gemara, who argues with the Chachamim. Uh, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's only when you make um, like a, a qualitative transformation in 
the damaging entity. So in this case, the pit. At 9, it was not a killer pit. At 10, it is a killer pit. Since this, the second guy made it a killer pit, he's fully responsible. But according to Yehuda, as the Bartonor learns, who Bartonor learns like, if, let's say, the animal would um, only break its ankle in the ten tafakti pit, so then both of the people who dug the pit, the first nine, the first guy, and the tenth, the second guy, both would be liable for the injured animal because both contributed to the animal's injury. So they're sharing responsibility. Uh, the Chacham disagree with that. The Chacham say the second guy dug the pit, he's responsible in full both for death and even injury because he made it a more dangerous pit. And the Shulchan Aruch, uh, notwithstanding the Baratun, the Shulchan Aruch passes like the Chachamim, meaning that the second person is responsible at all events, even if what he did wasn't like a transformational qualitative change to the nature of the, the, uh, the dangerous thing that was left in the public, etc. Now, the Mishnah goes on now, it has now a list of which type of property would one be obligated to make restitution if his property damages it. It's not all property. Uh, there are certain exceptions. So the Mishnah here says, Nechasim she'ein behen me'ila. One thing is, if you have property, for property to be subject to one being obligated to make restitution if he damages it, that's a property that isn't subject to the laws of me'ila. Me'ila is the misappropriation of hektesh, of property that belongs to the base of mikdash. Um, and therefore, in short, if one damages the base of mikdash property, that that's subject to me'ila, so then he won't pay, like, nezek damages. This is based on the Pasuk, because the Pasuk says, v'chi yigof shor ish eshor If a, a man's ox... Uh, damages, you know, injures, pushes, shoves, the shore re'ehu, his friends, re'ehu, his friend's ox. So the point is, it's his friend's ox, he's liable, but not the base. I mean, that should not re'ehu, who's not his friend. So therefore, uh, things that are subject to Mila are exempt from a Nezek payment. Now you'll ask, why didn't the Mishnah just simply say, Hektesh, what's the Me'ila issue? So the answer is, this Mishnah is going like, Rabbi Yosef Lili holds that, that, um, not everything of Hektish is subject to Mila. Kachim Kalim are Mum and Bailam. This is really technical. I don't want to get into it so much at the moment. So the point is, certain kinds of Hektish, like Kachim Kalim, as well as, let's say, um, uh, an invalidated Korban, those things which aren't subject to Mila anymore, if the Mazik would cause damage to it, he would have to pay. I'll leave it at that. Now, another condition. Nechas Meshel Bris. It has to be that the property that was damaged belonged to a Jew. Meaning that if uh, it was not Jewish-owned property, there's no obligation to make any uh, kind of compensation. Uh, the converse, however, is that if, uh, uh, let's say, the one neighbor is not Jewish and his cow gets out and damages the Jew's property, so then the Bezid in Eretzrael would enforce the payment because it's Jewish property, um, again, based on the same psukim there. And also, it has to be private property as opposed to um, hefker, like ownerless public property, or ownerless property. Uh, so that means, let's say, for example, there's a, you know, a, a feral cow that runs around and, and gores someone's horse. So then um, there's no payments made to the horse owner. Now, if you ask, wait a second, what in the world is the hava? I mean, what would we assume? Who, who, there's no owner of the cow, so who in the world would the horse owner try to um, bring to business to make a payment? So the answer is, of course, there's no one, and therefore that's not the point. The point here is, even if, let's say, afterwards someone goes and claims that cow for themselves, say, oh, it's a half cow, I'll claim it, the horse owner who was damaged can't now claim from the person who now has claimed the cow. And if you'll say, well, why in the world 
would we have thought so? Why would he be responsible, the cow owner now? The answer is because, um, you might have thought that, because the rule is that when a cow gores, it's a cow which is a tom, a, a, a docile cow. Most cows are considered to be a t- docile unless they've established themselves to be dangerous. So the rule is um, that the payment is a chatzinezek. It's only a half payment of the damages. Only half the damages are compensated for. Uh, but also, uh, there's a sort of limited liability. And the maximum payment that goes to the, the nizek, the damaged party, is the total value of the cow. So it sounds kind of like what would happen is, in normal circumstances, a person who gets whose property is damaged by a cow could seize the cow as like collateral and lease at, at collect payment from the cow itself. So you might have thought, therefore, that the person who's damaged, the horse owner in my scenario before, has rightful claim to that cow. And therefore, the person who then tried to claim the cow from Hefker, the horse owner could say, listen, that's already my cow because it's owed to me by the damage that it caused. The answer is no, that's not true at all. That's one example. The Gemara gives a different example also of how and this could be applicable of Nechassim HaMiyuchadim, only private property. Like, for example, if a person had a cow and then he's mafkir the cow and prior to being brought to Bezin, again, he no longer owns the cow, he would be exempt, also based on Sukkim, though if he would ever reclaim his cow, he then would be liable all over again. Okay. More says the Mishnah. Another condition is, U'v'chol makom chutz mershus hamyuchedes lemazik um, in general, the obligation to make compensation if your property damages is true wherever it happens. So if my dog bites your cow, I have to make you know, compensation. Uh, but the exception is, if your cow came into my backyard, where it didn't have any right to be, and then my dog bit it, so then, too bad for you, you had no right to bring your your cow into my backyard. Now, this is predicated on the assumption that um, it's a Rishus Mucheres Lamazik, it's private property of the, the person who caused the damage, the owner of the property who caused the damage. It's specifically because the person who was damaged or his property that got damaged had no right to be there. So, if, for example, I invited you and your cow over for a tea party, and when your cow came into my house, your. Uh, my dog bit it, I would be liable because since I invited you to come in, so even though it happened on my private property, I'm liable. Um, also worth noting, um, the rule here that one's exempt if damage occurs on his private property, we're only talking about damage caused by his property, like my dog biting you or your cow on my property when you or your cow had no right to be there. But um, if I damage you, my, meaning me, not my property, damages you or your property, so then yes, I am liable because I'm not... Uh, I'm not authorized to start injuring you or your cow just because you're on my property. Okay. Um, also, Urshus Hanizik Vahamazik, in jointly owned property, there's also an exemption, uh, but this is more limited. This is specifically what's for, for called, called Shane and Regel. Um, if we have jointly owned property, um, you know, we're partners in a field, and um, so you and I can both bring our cows into the field, and we also have, you know, uh, one of us decides to bring in our flower pot, into the, into the field there as well, and then your cow knocks over my flower pot and breaks it. I have no claim on you. That's a case of regal. Cows knocking things over. Um, but I can't claim on you because your cows are right to be there because it's our jointly owned um, field. Even there, it all assumes that we both had rights to be there. But let's just say, for example, you know, you and I are partners in a, a china shop. So we're partners, and this, this is our china shop. Um, it goes without saying that there's no bulls allowed in the china shop. So if you bring your bull into my china, into our china shop and it knocks things over, you're still liable to me. Even though it's jointly owned by us, it was owned for 
keeping China there, for keeping stuff there, not for keeping livestock. So you unauthorized and bringing your cow into the china shop, which knocks us over, that's again regal, and you'd have to make compensation to me. Finally, says the Mishnah, um, in the event that one's property does cause damage, the owner of that property who is responsible for guarding it is obligated to make a payment uh, for compensation with the best of his property. Again, this is really the same thing as before in the previous Mishnah, which is if the person who caused the damage or who is responsible for it, the mazik, is going to make a payment using property, then he has to use the best of his property. But he could use cash or other metalton, other chattels, other stuff, which is always considered to be the best. Um, so that's the same din essentially again. And if you'll ask, well, why are we repeating that din from before? So um, one explanation would be, if we learned the previous mission like Shmuel, like we did, like the Bartonor did, that only um, four of the six categories, you know, we had um, Shane, Regal, Aish, and Bor, but we never had Karen included in the first Mishnah. So, because Karen's only a Chatzin, that's like a half payment normally. So, the point is that we're now teaching that even for a Karen damage, where it's a different, has different rules, uh, when the animal's intending to cause damage, even so, if you're paying with property, it would be made to the arts, the best of your property.